Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. I want to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. My name is host Reverend Sean McCain. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tent. This Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. And you may use any Bible you wish. There's also an online resource, www. Biblia, B-I-B-I-L-I-A dot com. No negativity or controversy is allowed in any day, day of peace, as I think we all do. I've had many spiritual experiences and ingratitude. We're doing this Sunday morning uh, Bible study. It's just a simple Bible study. I'm not a scholar, but we'll be reading together uh, the Holy Bible. Okay, then this, uh, the calling number this morning is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sundays meets every Sunday, 11 a.m. For opening prayer, let say the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I would like to say happy birthday and happy anniversary and happy graduation to uh, everyone. I know June's a graduation month, and my granddaughter will be graduating high school and moving on to college. And I want to say just happy birthday to everybody. And, um, and we also pray for the Christians that are being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and their lives are in jeopardy. And Please, God, send your mighty archangel, Michael, to fight against evil and protect them and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to the, all the ones who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers that they may have made decisions to make and to make the better ones for us. And we pray for those that we can't see or know what is going on with them and um, we also pray that everyone gets whatever they need and, and our needs are met and, you know, serious issues are going on all over the world and we just ask Jesus to bless us, to hold us in his care and everyone, and every family, every individual person in their prayers. Okay, so this, last week, we actually were studying chapter 15, and that had to do with the anointing of Mary, and um, that Jesus is the, the truth, the vine, and the fruit of the vine, and there's only one way to go through heaven, is actually through Jesus, and being a Christian, uh, I do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and um, uh, that's it, that's part of the Christian faith, and uh, today we're reading chapter 16, 
and is concerning the world. Okay, let's see here. Okay, chapter 16, get out your Bible. And let's see, 16. These things have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling, that they will make you outcasts in the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Isn't that terrible right now? That is going on. Let's read it again. They will make you outcasts of the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do because they have not known me, the, the Father, or me. But these things I have spoken to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you them and that these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who has sent me and none of you ask me where are you going because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away. For if not, do not go away. The helper shall not come to you. But if I will, I send him to you. And he who he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world excuse me, world, has been judged. And I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of the truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said, that he takes of mine, and we will disclose it to you. A little while, a little while, excuse me, a little while, and you will no longer behold me, and again a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples therefore said to one another, What is this thing he's telling us? A little while you will not behold me, and again in a little while you will see me, and because I go to the Father. And so they were saying, What is that he says, a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Now, these were his disciples that had been sitting with him all this time. Jesus knew that they wished to question him, and he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this, what I said, a little while, and you will not behold me, and again, a little while, and you shall see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Whenever a woman is in the travail, she has sorrow, but when her hour has come and when she gives birth to the baby, she remembers the anguish no more, for, that ju- for the joy the child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one takes your joy away from you. And in that day, you will ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive, that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, and hours coming when I will speak to you no more in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. 
In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, and he believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father, and I have come into the world, and I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. His disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly, and you are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour has come and already and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but in the courage, courage I have overcome the world. This is so beautiful. Let's read it again. The things I have spoken to you, that in me that you may have peace, and in the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Yes, Jesus overcame the world, and he's taking us with him. Okay, so let's go back to the notes, and then stumbling, as we read 6.1, is all falling away. And 16.2 is that everyone who kills you will think that he is offering a service to God. The history of religious persecution clearly portrays the fulfillment of this prophecy. And then 16.8-11. The spirit through the apostles, evangelists, preachers will convict the world. To convict means to set forth the truth in the gospel in such a clear light that men are able to accept and reject it intelligently. To convince men the truthfulness of the gospel. The spirit will help break down the indifference of the typical pagan who has no conviction of sin and who holds a low regard for righteousness and who pays no heed to the mornings of coming judgment. Okay, six nines, because they do not believe in me. The greatest basic sin is unbelief. Jesus returned to the Father will Jesus return to the Father will vindicate his righteousness life and truthfulness of all he said. Then sixteen eleven, the ruler of this world has been judged. At the cross Christ triumphed over Satan, serving notice on unbelievers in their judgment to come. And then the more notes, many, many more things that you cannot bear them now. These things would become clear after the resurrection. And then 16.13, he will disclose to you what has come. These things include the meaning of Christ's death and resurrection, which disciples did not really fully understand at this point, and as well as the things yet the future concerning the return of Christ. And then... 1614 is my teachings and whatever relates to me. And 1615, the teaching of the ministry of the Holy Spirit has guided the church since the Spirit's coming. Doctrine, therefore, does not have to be traced back to the earthly ministry of Jesus to be authoritative because he, the Spirit, takes of mine, Christ, and will disclose it to you, the apostles. These truths were then recorded in the New Testament. Beautiful. And then... Further on the notes, it says, after his ascension, and, and talking about a figurative language, and then ask in my name to adjust the Father to the Son as the normal Christian practice ever since. And then in 1633, in the world you have a tribulation. There are three aspects of this. General trials, which simply come simply because we live in a sinful world. 
afflictions which God allowed to become into our lives, and three, the chastisement which comes more directly from God, and I have overcome the world. In this so great so-called high priestly prayer, the Lord prays for us. Well, okay, that's next week. Anyway, well, just uh, an extraordinary chapter. And we all know what it's leading up to. And uh, let's see here. I want to read you something out of uh, um, Guy Post. Let's see. Let's just read this little story. It's called Leap of Faith. In the window of basic operations room, the U.S. Coast Guard station in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, rattled a 60-mile-per-hour gust from the worst storm of the year last at the base. Staring silently into the rain-flashed blackness, I was despondent, a feeling shared by three other crewmen of our H-60 rescue helicopter. We had just received word that three exhausted men were about to abandon hope as the fierce Atlantic seas battered the disabled 41-foot pitch, the Malachite. This was what we trained for. Our, our unit was existed, but we couldn't help it. The men were in beyond reach. The H-60 has 300-mile operating radius, and the sailboat was about 400 miles offshore. We could get there, but we would never make it back. The nearest ship was 10 hours from the sailor's position, and they wouldn't last that long. I clenched my fists in frustration, and this was my first offshore rescue mission. I had joined the Coast Guard because I wanted to save lives, but as my gut, I felt churning grass with fear. I had been able to do, had I been able to do it, an aviation survival man, I was trained to assist shipwrecked victims, but I was a greenhorn. Lives could be depend on me, and I was terrified with fail. Then Lieutenant Bruce Jones, our pilot, broke in silence. Bermuda, he said. Our head snapped up. If we continued on to Bermuda, we might make it. Bermuda was 620 miles from the base and the extreme limit of our helicopter's range. Even under ideal conditions, no H-60 had ever flown to Bermuda from the States. In the midst of a storm, stopping to hoist the sailors aboard it, we touch and go. After calculating our fuel reserve, we figured we'd have 30 minutes to save the men. The H-60 couldn't land on the water, and we would be, I would be lowered from the deck to a sailboat and help the sailors to a rescue basket. My heart pounded with excitement and apprehension as we took off, a raging blackness punctuated by jagged flashes of lightning. For two and a half hours, the H-60 shuddered and pitched as the storm-fed gusts slammed into it. I could hear Lieutenant Jones and co-pilot uh, Randy Watson over the intercom refiguring the distance in their fuel calculation. They were convinced that our safety margin was narrowing. The winds and bone-rattling turbulence were even stronger than the forecast. But I was alone in my thoughts. How can a boat survive this? Will I be able to get aboard and help them? Will it be afloat when I get there? Below were the angry flashes in the blackness. We were towering white flick waves. I thought the worst scenario, the crew had already be in the water and I would have to go in after them. How could I do it? Will I jump into these seas? I could feel cold sweat on my body. Then we saw the boat. Illuminated in the beam of the searchlight was the Malachite. Shreds of her sails streamed the intense wind, and the boat hurtled down 
the immense waves that loomed over her mast, which went back and forth. The crew radioed that they were taken on water and they wouldn't be able to stay afloat much longer. As I sat on the yawning side of the hatch, the helicopter with my feet dangling over the side, my worst fears were realized. There was no way I could have lowered into that boat's deck, not the way these masts were whipping. My fingers hurt from clutching the steel of the hatch. For the men who would be rescued, they would have to jump into the ocean, and I would go in after them. Lieutenant Jones' voice cracked through the headphones in my helmet. The boat's sinking. Dave, they want to go in. What will you do? He hesita- I hesitated. I didn't have to go, and nobody would blame me if I decided not to. The blackness below terrified me, and the cold sweat poured under my driver's suit. Diver's suit. The earphones crackled again. I have to know now, Dave. I looked down at the raging blackness. God, what should I do? I silently prayed. The answer was immediate. I had a choice. The men below had no options. I had always professed my belief in God, but I never had to prove it. This is would be my leap of faith. I've turned the fight mechanically, Barber, and nodded. My headset cracked once more. Thirty minutes, Dave, that's all we have. I didn't need further explanation. The copter would leave 30 minutes, whether I was aboard or not. The rest of the crew didn't, can't jeopardize for one man. My stomach was in knots, but I made my choice. I rode down in a swing and jumped. As soon as I touched the water, the force of the sea tore me from the cable. While rising on the crest of each wave, I frantically searched for the boat, hoping the survivors would be nearby, but the boat was gone. Finding the glare of the cut. Caught chopped a searchlight, I spotted one man, and we had wanted them to stay together, but the sea had torn them from one another. I figured I would never be able to reach them all in time, but if I could save one, maybe two. I fought to keep from becoming disorientated. Sky and sea seemed to merge, and at times I couldn't tell up from down. I struggled with the first man and held on to him and snagged the rescue basket as it danced wildly at the end of its feather. After helping him in and giving the signal to hoist, I took my watch. I'm down 15 minutes. There's still time. Then I tossed the crest for another huge wave, and I spotted a second man. Just a few minutes left, Lord. Give me the strength, too. I was tiring, and the sailor and his weakened state couldn't help much. I struggled to lift him in the basket. When he made it, I took a deep breath and tried to steal my trembling hands. I looked for the third man, but all I could see was white caps. That's it, I thought. We're fortunate to get two. Suddenly, the searchlight flashed through the flying spray. There was a third man. Although exhausted, I began swimming, feeling the remaining strength drain. I could get him to the ba- could I get him to the basket when I reached him? As I got closer, I wondered if he was even alive. He suspended in his life jacket. He was bobbing in one of the waves. He rolled his head up, and in a haunted expression looked for me right in the eye. My heart jumped. I tried to lift him to the basket each time. I could not make it in the first few inches. We were both splashed back into the water. Finally, with a strength that was outside my own, I gave one last heave and he was in. I'd done it. Thank you, God. I thought the worst was over. I glanced at my watch. Five minutes to go. I signaled for the cable to come down to the basket, and the way the basket was flailing, it could be quick for me just to ride the cable back up. With two minutes to spare, I grabbed the end of the cable, but I was about to be hoisted. The monstrous wave flipped me high in the air and spun me upside down. The cable snapped taut, leaving me entangled and underwater. For an instant, I didn't think I would come back up, but the fear was gone. I had made my leaf of faith, and I put myself in God's hands. 
If you want me now, Lord, I'm ready, I prayed. Then the cable jerked and I was out of the water, being cranked up towards the helicopter. Yet I still not out of danger. As I watched helplessly, I saw the cable fray and unravel. Only, only one or three strands remained intact. I swing wildly at the end of the tether, still 20 feet from the topper, and 30 feet above the waves. Third band stroke broke. I would be lost. There would be no way for the topper to pick me up, even if I survived the fall. But Dave Barber worked the freight cable up the door and wrestled me in. Relief washed over me as I settled back into the copter. Great job, Dave. Lieutenant Jones cracked his headset. Not bad for a first rescue. After more than five hours in the air, we landed in Bermuda and still had 50 minutes of fuel left, thanks to the strong tailwind. When it was all over, we watched the video of our mission and the scenes of the mountainous waves showed us how big the miracle had occurred. And the rescue operation had been beyond the ordinary human and mechanical abilities of our copter and the crew. God had definitely been watching over us and those men. And even though I had always believed in God, this just really put the lid on it for me. That I meant I was a greenhorn no longer and in more ways than one. Fabulous story. And it's wonderful to wonderful to read it and I'm wishing everybody, everybody a wonderful Sunday and I I hope that you get what you need and that you had plenty to eat and drink fresh water today and be grateful for what you have and a lot of people don't have anything. And uh, let's close with our traditional prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless you and keep you in his loving arms so you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. I love you and God loves you and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. And remember, you can message me if you have any concerns or requests for prayers or you need to discuss something by my friends. Happy trails to you. God bless you and everything. And your day be bright.